Hi, welcome to the Behind the Balance Sheet podcast, where we meet leading investors and commentators and educate ourselves about the world of investing and the world. Our mission is to remove some of the mystique around investing and improve our understanding of what makes a successful investment or indeed an unsuccessful one. Our goal is to inform, educate and entertain. We hope you enjoy this and every episode. Behind the balance sheet and affiliates and podcast guests may own shares or have an economic interest in securities discussed in this podcast, which is aired for your education and entertainment only. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment advice or relied upon for investment decisions. Always do your own research. This podcast is intended to educate as well as entertain, and it has a more serious purpose. We are big supporters of the Financial Times Financial Literacy and Inclusion Campaign, a new charity which you can check out on ft.com forward slash FLIC. It's the most disadvantaged in society who often get taken in by financial scams, by payday loans and similar artful devices to part people with their money. We can change this. It's a straightforward task of education. This really is a great cause and I urge you please to support it. The podcast is sponsored by Sentio and I ask them because I use the research platform almost every day. For equity analysts, it's in many respects the ideal tool. If I didn't have a professional platform, I would need several different software systems. Sentio saves me a lot of time and ensures my research can be done in one place. I like it because first, the data is reliable and it aggregates all content. Second, it's easy to use and much more intuitive than some other platforms. Third, it's features I have never seen in other systems. My favorite is the ability to go into a 10K and extract the history for a particular data table. If I want to see the trend in a parameter, and I often do this, I snap my fingers without having to dig through multiple 10Ks. It's much faster and easier. But most important is the price. There's a huge price advantage over other systems. If you're a smaller fund or even a larger fund equipping analysts, Sentio is definitely worth looking at. Visit sentio.com forward slash BTBS for Behind the Balance Sheet for more details. Last year, I planned a charitable initiative to help kids become financially literate, which was going to start in the second half of this year. I was appalled at how my children, both at expensive central London private schools, one of them among the best schools in the country, learned almost nothing about money. They received excellent tuition on academic topics, of course, and on discrimination, gay rights, sex education, and other woke topics, but really very little about money. Now, it's not a problem for my children, as they're familiar with what I do, and we have a reward system at home, which includes financial incentives. But what about those who are less well-off? They are likely to need budgeting skills even more. They need to know how expensive it is to borrow on credit cards, the value of saving early, and much, much more. Fortunately for me, the FT decided to set up a financial literacy and inclusion charity, and I am delighted to be supporting it, both as one of the cornerstone donors and by promoting it on this podcast. To tell you more, I'm delighted to be joined by the initiator, Patrick Jenkins, the deputy editor of the Financial Times. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. 
What made you decide to set up the financial literacy charity? In, in the original article in the FT Weekend magazine in November 2020, you talked about growing up in South Wales, your mum was a psychologist, your dad was a music teacher, but for your 16th birthday, you were given some BT shares and that sparked an interest in finance. That led you to become deputy editor of the Financial Times. But what made you want to start this charity, Patrick? Um, it's a good question. I mean, the, the route from being a 16-year-old who had some BT shares to deputy editor of the FT was a fairly long one and a circuitous one, um, but it did certainly spark an interest in finance for me. I think my interest in um, creating this charity, uh, which we're launching uh, this September, um, was sparked both by my kind of career-long focus um, as a financial journalist and by, you know, that experience of growing up in South Wales, relatively prosperous home, but in a relatively poor area, which had been, you know, laid really low, actually, by uh, the end of coal mining, um, by um, generally a de-industrialization of the area, uh, high levels of poverty and unemployment. And also another kind of personal factor really is just having, particularly through COVID, but also through my life, seen friends and family get into financial distress, in part because they didn't know some of the basic things about how, how finance worked, how mortgages worked, how compound interest worked on debt. All of these things led to unnecessary misery. Obviously, financial literacy, understanding the basics of finance can't solve underlying uh, issues of poverty or lack of income, but they can help mitigate it and um, kind of stop the rot, if you like, in, in certain cases. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And let, we'll talk a bit more about that in a second. But just before we go into the detail about what, what you're going to tackle, just tell us a bit about where, what are the geographical boundaries of the charity? Is it mainly for kids in the UK and if it's the UK, is there a gap in financial knowledge between London and the regions? Or do you have wider ambitions, America or anywhere? And how will you reach that audience if it is outside the UK? Uh, it's a very good question. Um, we have a very ambitious uh, kind of target, um, which we are realistic about achieving um, in terms of the timescale that will take. Um in line with the profile of the FT, which has uh, a global readership, we very much want uh, the FT Financial Literacy and Inclusion Campaign to have a global profile over time. Um, initially, however, we are focusing on the UK. In our first year, we will focus on the UK, and we will start off focusing on young people. Although, uh, over time, again, um, we want to target at three particular constituencies, young people, women, and what we're calling disenfranchised communities as a kind of catch-all for various segments of society that uh, we know to be uh, less financially literate than average. Uh, the same is true of women. Um, for a multiplicity of reasons, they tend to score lower on financial literacy tests. Um, and as I say, young people, uh, where you really have the opportunity to build that kind of foundation of financial understanding early and set people up for life. So, um, yeah, that's the, the the scope of our ambition. Uh, and I think, 
we will start with UK youngsters um, because we just want to uh, take one step at a time. Um, but the ambition is 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 quite large over time. Fantastic. And tell me, where does this education begin and end? I mean, what's the scope of the campaign? Is it how to understand credit card interest? You you mentioned compound interest seems to be something that should be taught in every school. Is it how to get the best deal on a mobile phone, how to save for a house deposit, what a credit score means? I mean, you're not going to be trying to teach kids to speculate in the stock market using a Robin Hood app, I take it. Uh, no, that's not uh, part of the plan. Um, all of the other things you mentioned, though, uh, are part of the kind of core repertoire of, of financial knowledge that I think um, everyone should leave school with. One one of our um, ways of campaigning is going to be through um, calling for policy change. We're going to be working at a policymaker level uh, to try and improve, for example, national curriculums. Uh, so that will be, be true in England and across the UK, as well as uh, when we expand around the world, because we do feel that finance, although it's so essential for everyday living for everybody in the world, really, um, is treated as a as a fringe um, area of interest. It's, it's, it's yes in... In certain national curriculums, it's it's um, it's taught, uh, but in practice, very little is uh, is imparted to young people, and it is. Um, we think there are multiple reasons for that. Partly, it's it's not seriously defined on the national curriculum in England, for example. It's also something that um, some teachers uh, are fearful of, like the the population as at large, um, if they um, don't have to teach it, if they can teach something else, uh, which is often the case uh, in terms of the UK, the English national curriculum, for example, is part of the the PSHCE uh, uh, area of teaching, which also in, involves teaching about um, civil society, about sex education and so on. Finance gets neglected because it's hard, I suppose, because people are fearful of it, because uh, they the teachers uh, feel uncertain, perhaps, about teaching it. And so one of the things that we want to do is to help train the trainers, um, both at a school level and, uh, and across other areas of society. Um, we also, in terms of the actual material that we want to put together, uh, we're keen to make that as accessible and as easily uh, deliverable as possible. So we'll be working both at a content level and a distribution level with existing organizations that do good work um, and designing our programs in collaboration with on-the-ground grassroots organizations. It's funny, isn't it? Because everybody in finance has a vested interest in making it all sound much more complicated than it actually is. The only people that are interested in simplifying it are people like journalists and people like me in the in the training business? Do you think the the vested interests are going to embrace this campaign? Because at the end of the day, you know, if you're a if if you're selling a financial product and you're skimming off high fees, you've got a vested interest in people not understanding it. There is uh, an element of that that is true. I would like to think that the financial industry is maturing uh, away from a culture where they um, 
try to make as much money as they can in the short term. I think in the UK context, for example, um, mis-selling scandals around multiple products for whether it be pensions or endowment mortgages or PPI um, have hopefully taught the sector a lesson um, and that there is actually good money to be made by maintaining long-term relationships with their customers. Uh, that might be a slightly dewy-eyed view. So, you know, um, we do need to make sure that part of our campaign is actually putting pressure on companies to keep things as simple as they can, uh, to be straightforward. It's This is partly about language, it's partly about structure. Uh, and so that that is definitely part of our work, uh, what our work will be. Um, at the same time, we do feel, as you say, that there is um, a real value in are um, launching this charity to promote financial literacy, despite there being a lot actually out there already in terms of financial literacy education, in part because uh, a lot of it is supplied by those same finance companies. Now, I have no doubt that there is um, uh, very good work being done by uh, some of the big banks and other financial organizations in terms of genuinely... Uh, promoting financial literacy. But it has to be said, there is a commercial interest behind a lot of uh, what of those organizations are, are doing. And so, you know, one of the things that will single us out is being dispassionate and uh, with no commercial interest at all. No, absolutely. And I, I didn't mean to imply that the, that the industry didn't have good intentions. I think part of the problem, particularly in the UK, particularly in the US, is that financial institutions are so tightly regulated that they're scared of expressing concepts in simple English because they feel obliged to warn people of the potential consequences of investing. So the, the regulation itself probably makes it more complicated than it needs to be, which means the task of education is even even more important. But Patrick, what, what is success going to look like for you? How are you going to measure the impact of the charity five and ten years down the road? Uh, well, um, you make a very important point. This is a uh, it's going to be a, a, a very important part of what we do is measuring uh, the impact of of what we deliver, both at a micro level uh, and a macro level. Uh, and one of the first um, pieces of research that the FT has done actually in uh, uh initial uh, article that I've written to to launch our appeal and launch of of, of the charity more broadly is to conduct a uh, a large ambitious survey across England in this case on uh financial literacy levels and particular issues um that trip people up and so um we've kind of um We've got a, a kind of ground zero for for that level of uh, uh, of financial literacy understanding. Um, more particularly at a micro level, I think whenever we deliver a, uh, a a piece of work, and we've done a couple of pilots already, most recently in in a Manchester school, we will simply um, you know test the people and engage in our training program at the beginning, and test them at the end, and then follow up a few months later and test them again. Um, and you know the the anecdotal 
results from our pilot were extremely positive, that um, there was a very marked increase in what people understood at the end of their training program uh, compared to the beginning. And yeah, we will be going back to the back to them before the end of the year and uh, and following up so that is the the basis of our approach um and you know we have to be making a difference otherwise there's no point in doing it oh of course and our podcast audience by definition comprises listeners with an interest in finance tell them how they can contribute either simply by donating or how they can offer their skills or their other resources to this great cause um well, um, as you mentioned, we've been kind of preparing this uh, charity for launch uh, for the past nine months or so. We first talked about it in the FT last November, uh, November 2020. Um, since then, we've invited people to register their, their interest, uh, either uh, expressing a, a desire to donate money or to support us in other ways. Uh, and to email us uh, here at the FT uh, via an email address, financial.literacy at ft.com. That will continue to be uh, an email address that will be used for communication. Uh, from September the 4th, the uh, FT Financial Literacy and Inclusion Campaign, FT Flick, will have a live uh, website. It's not, as we speak, uh, quite live, but it will be uh, by September the 4th for our launch. Um, and also through the FT website, there will be a clear kind of signposting towards the charity uh, alongside all the pieces that we're going to be publishing through September, October, November and December of, uh, of this year uh, to write about various aspects of financial literacy. Uh, and so uh, anyone who is interested in engaging with us in any way um, can uh, follow those links and uh, we would love to hear from them. Fantastic. Well, I'm incredibly pleased to be offering a little bit of help. I think it's a great cause. I think in many ways we've got a following wind because in a sense, as I can't remember who it was that said it, I think it might have been Naval, everyone is an investor now. We've had Robin Hood, that there's a real benefit from the money that people have made riding the MEM stocks. We might think it's a bit daft, but it's creating an interest in finance. And the same thing's true with crypto. Kids making money in Bitcoin, that's creating an interest in finance. So let's hope that this following wind gives the charity a real boost and hopefully the listeners to this podcast will be a big support. Patrick, thank you enormously for coming on the podcast and, and telling us all about it. Well, thank you very much for your support. Thank you. This interview for me was packed full of wisdom and great advice. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a lot. I certainly did. And don't forget, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it on iTunes, and visit our website, behindthebalancesheet.com, where you can sign up for our free newsletter. Thanks for listening.